0: we pretty much use just about every single product that uh iron source offers we're, we're completely integrated with the platform of course the mediation products all ad ad products and the company that can assist us in doing ua and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it it takes a lot of uh, headache away from us it takes a lot of the hard busy
1: work off of our hands having a kind of an all-in-one platform
2: you just heard andrew stone He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use IronSource's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on IronSource's website. That's ironsrc.com. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift with the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts. Marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppsFlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppSlyer's latest product, the Incrementality solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With With incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest that you head out to appsliers.com.
3: What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. Welcome back to Twig. This is Twig 114. We've got the crew here, myself, Joe Kim, Eric Kress, Mishka Katkoff, and Adam Telfer with the fabulous hair. And today, we're not going to cover any news, but we decided that we will be talking about The best, the worst, and other stuff about 2020. But before we jump into that, let's go ahead and kick it off with at least a few news updates. Adam, you want to take us through that?
1: Yeah, I I think I'll go deeper in a future podcast, but uh, Diablo Immortals had its big alpha um, over the break. Um, I actually didn't get to play, so I'm just watching a bunch of videos put on YouTube. Um, So I'm trying to put my opinion together here, but I think it's much more... Diablo 3 for mobile than it is, say, Diablo for China, uh, which I think, as we talked in previous podcasts, definitely worries me more. So I'm going to go deeper on the design. But I think um, overall, it looks like the they're doing some pretty, say, cute things with the design to avoid a lot of the backlash. Um, but they're really doing a lot of porting of the Diablo 3 design, which I don't think was very deep. Um, Eric?
0: Yeah, I, I honestly, I didn't spend a lot of time on this. I looked at a few videos and I didn't have a chance to play, although a couple of my friends were playing it. But again, this game just seems like a PC game that's pushed to mobile. And there's some optimization around playing on mobile, but it's most likely a better experience on PC. So why wouldn't a Diablo fan play it on PC, you know? And um, the monetization design does not look very aggressive. It certainly is pay to progress faster, but not necessarily pay to win. And I think the fundamental problem with this game and Diablo in general for this, for free to play model is that there's no PVP or even like a really PBE like group, no, no, like competition in that sense. And so what drives the elder game in which you're basically trying to upgrade and Evo all your crap, right? Like, you know, you build these insane, like build outs, et cetera. Um, so we've seen a million of these single the thing is it's so funny because we've seen a million of these games fail so what's what why would this game in particular succeed you know in terms of money right so like we have a net marvel and ncsoft have been developing these absolutely breathtaking and uh and other companies as well breathtaking rpgs with the most amazing visuals and the things die on the vine in the west you know and they do well in the east so i i just don't see this changing that at all and the actual—it's funny—is like the community. The feedback is so positive because I think expectations were set so low, given like the debacle of its launch or its its, its announcement. Um, but it, because they love it, does not mean it's going to be successful because it, the monetization is just not there, you know. And so yeah. it's going to download; it'll be played. But I just think it'll be a total like shark fin um, type game. If if, if I if agree with
2: Eric. The, the the thing is like the best action RPG game in, in the West has been Marvel future fight. And during the COVID that game lost almost 50% of its revenues. So it's been suffering a lot with, with these type of uh, like straight up action RPGs. I haven't played Diablo myself. Uh, I've watched as well some of the videos and people are talking how good it looks, how well it plays and so forth. But there are also some questions like, I don't know really what to buy in this game and it feels good because it's so free. They, um, the, the biggest kind of question mark there is that it's so late. And if it doesn't monetize that well, and we know that it has been developed both in Irvine as well as in um, somewhere in China. So I assume the costs are really high. They're late by a year. Um, they have some kind of a revenue share with NetEase. That's not looking good, likely for um, for for Blizzard. I don't know, Eric, what's, what's your take on that? Sorry, what's that? The, oh, the NetEase deal? Yeah, like the fact that it's late, that it's going to cost a lot, and if it doesn't monetize, plus it has the revenue share with NetEase, that's a that's, oh, yeah, that's right, like, right. A, like a triple whammy.
0: Yeah, I don't know, dude. It's th- <laughs> the whole thing. It's like one of those things that expectations are getting ahead of themselves again, um, and and you know, and the business model is questionable, and and then Blizzard's whole participation in this has increased dramatically, you know, since it was first released or first announced. So I think they're, they're dumbing it down and and making it less likely to monetize, but more likely to be more popular and, and, and more f- forgived by the, uh, by the audience. But I think if net Marvel had their own way or sorry, net, whatever the fuck Asian company is, sorry, if Netties had their own way, I think that game would actually have been more successful. That's what I think. Even though I love blizzard, I don't think they know how to make mobile games. So that's it. That's fundamentally it. All right, let's move on because it's not that interesting. Call of Duty, China. Yeah, Call of Duty
1: Mobile um, launched in China on Christmas Day. Um, sensor Tower shows a substantial bump um, in revenue. And of course, Sensor Tower doesn't capture all Chinese revenue, but still we're looking at something like a 1.8 uh, times revenue of the previous peak, reaching about 3.6 million daily. Um, so if PUBG Mobile is the comp of what, you know, a, a 10 cent studio moving from the West to uh, a China release is uh, we should definitely see a sustained bump in revenue for cod mobile through 2021 so they should have a very good year this year um second uh, moon active they acquired melsoft from cyprus and belarus Uh, their headquarters in cyprus i think their actual dev studios in belarus Um, the financials here were not disclosed um, but looking into the details melsoft builds kind of two key games Um, both kind of heyday style simulation, Family Island and My Cafe. Um, I have not been paying attention to these guys, but through 2020, they managed to grow Family Island alone to a $43 in net revenue and really eight times their daily revenue year over year Um, and is sitting at roughly Uh, $8.50 in US RPI, which is very good for a simulation title, especially given um, how young it is. Um, and GamesBeat is saying that they've made roughly 160 million in 2020. Sensor um, Tower says about 75 million in, in app purchase revenue. So, you know, th- there's the the numbers that we can see.
3: All right, cool. Two updates from me. First, I'm hosting a virtual game conference next week on Thursday, sponsored by App Annie, Opera Vin, and IronSource. So. Be sure to check it out. It's called the Future of UA. And given all the stuff going down this year, you're definitely going to want to check it out. I'll leave a link to register, but you can also go to future of to sign up. Second update for me is that next week for Twig, we, we're going to actually try something new. We're going to try and stream this podcast live on Clubhouse. So for any of you guys Cool enough to get a Clubhouse invitation. Make sure you check that out at that time. But it's going to be next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Mishka? Yeah.
0: You know, Adam, you're going to have to take a shower, dude, and, and wash that hair. And maybe take no, no, a brush.
2: It's all, it's all audio. Oh,
0: okay, okay, okay. I'm just, just Thank making God. sure. Yeah. We're going
2: nice. to straight up film this from the shower. <laughs> um, so a uh, couple of updates. Stillfront just before the end of the year acquired a couple of companies, Sandbox Interactive, known for the game Albion, and Super Free Games, which is uh, a word game developer. I'd like to show some numbers, but I couldn't find any numbers for these games. I couldn't actually find a website for Super Free Games, but knowing uh, Stillfront strategies, I'm sure they have uh, excellent EBITDA and and you know, I've played the Albion before. I don't know if it's a major hit, on on mobile but um but i'm sure that they are very profitable games uh the second piece of of um of news that came out was Platikas s1 just crazy good numbers i mean we're talking about in 2009 the end of 2019 the bau was 10.2 million the um the run rate was about two two billion so this is 2019 the arp dow was 50 cents so just Insanely good numbers overall. If we start going through the uh, through the S one, I don't understand it as well as Eric does, so that will be interesting to cover.
0: Well, actually, you know, Roblox de- delayed their IPO. Um, basically, in my understanding, is to make more, get more money, right? Which is insane right they're going to go out at like 30 billion or something ridiculous so even even as much as i love roblox like this is it's getting a little bit ahead of itself but Platika is a really really well-managed company and they've been killing it for a long long time um i don't want to go too far into it because it will be part of my coverage uh, as, as 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 i move forward but the 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 fundamental challenge with Platika is uh, their organization, right? Because I think they're, they're an Israeli company that has a lot of operations in Russia. And, you know, there's a lot of investors that are not very comfortable with that. So uh, that's the one thing they have to overcome, I guess,
2: generally speaking. I think but, Ukraine, Ukraine and, and, uh, and Ukraine, right. Yeah. Eric, um, do you know
3: what the target market cap for Platika will be?
2: I have no idea. Not okay. yet. Because no, you know what I, a really interesting
3: combination would be? It would be Platika plus Moonactive. If play right. tries to take those guys out, that would be no really-
2: let's relax. Moon activism is on a it's on a different level. Or um oh Jesus PlayRix.
0: Anyway. Huh. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's comments. a Russian operation. That is... a well, I'm just saying <laughs> you,
0: like, you might as well just go full. <laughs> Full boat, right? I don't know. It's it's going <laughs> to go all in on Russia. <laughs> yeah, all in. The yeah, let's throw it all
2: for in. the Americans, the difference between Russia and Ukraine is like the difference between um, Mexico and Venezuela. You know, it's well, like like you consider it south of the border. Of all, but that was, a, that was a terrible analogy,
0: just just to be clear. But like, I totally understand, regardless if it's Ukraine or Russia or Belarus or I, I don't know, like anywhere like Eastern European, like like that kind of like area creates risk, right? If it's India, I mean, like (laughs) Brazil, right? Those make investors a little bit wary, like generally speaking, because it's the wild, wild west in some of those places, and 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 um, unlike in the
2: U.S., while well, the democracy is well, yeah, we're I doing mean. real well here in America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: real like a first world. <laughs> why, why does everything have to get down to politics, right? I always like it. Always kind of like progresses to that crap. Okay, I'm just saying. You're the one through it. I know. That's the reality. You're the one who started. I just can't articulate it well enough to like not make myself sound like an idiot. But anyway, that is the reason that this company has not gone public to this point time, time time. And it still remains a concern for Platika is their Ukrainian operations. So full stop, that's what it is. Mm. But these guys are amazing operators. All right, moving on. Let's do the best of, man. I lo-
3: I'm i more looking forward to the worst of, but the best of I can do too. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, don't <laughs> go back on the worst of. All let us right, let's not, let's not be... Oh, uh, wimps here. Let's, let's really let it let it rip. But I, I read the notes
0: before this. You guys are a bunch of sallies, dude. It's just <laughs>
3: unbelievable. You guys are just so just... Anyway. But right, I, I, start, starting I, with I, the softball question, who was the biggest winner in 2020? Adam.
1: Okay, so I'm just going to go full smorgasbord and go through everybody here. <laughs> so, because pretty much anybody who IPO'd, raised money, or was acquired in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> off of the COVID bump, And I'm going to call it in before the IDFA slump, just so it rhymes. Companies that doubled down during the pandemic, right? Saw serious revenue and profitability increases. Those are the companies that did very well, right? that's obviously the biggest winners in 2020. Um, So other things that I'm going to call out, things like the merge genre. So merge mansion, um, who was semi-acquired by Supercell, right? Like Supercell did that huge UA investment there, Right. Obviously, going from zero to hero in the matter of 2020. Evermerge as well from Big Fish. The merge genre is on fire. Uh, reworks, Redecor as well. Uh, Mediatonic and Fall Guys, right? Going from kind of a third-party developer, um, outsourced developer to all of a sudden having a major first IP hit. And you have mm-hmm. Inner Sloth with Among Us. Um, and then, of course, Miyoho with Genshin Impact.
0: Make less, man. <laughs> I know. Dude, I think we should have limited this to like one, two, or three, or something, dude. Because you basically took all the big ones, and I was like, yeah. Well, now, my let, now let's
1: argue which one was the biggest, right? Let's argue which one do we think was the biggest.
0: <laughs> well, before we do that, I'm going to say that from a stock perspective, looking at January one versus 12, twelve, the end of the year, which is very arbitrary in a lot of ways, but nonetheless. Um, all the stocks were up, dude. This was a huge year for video games, right? Everything was up except for CD Projekt, <laughs> right? Anyway, but um, but up between like thirty and sixty percent, so it was not a small amount either, right? But the, I think the biggest winners uh were Take Two at sixty percent, uh, Zynga was up huge at like fifty percent or a little bit more than that, maybe. And the other one that I always want to call is Nintendo, because Nintendo fucking destroyed it this year, like both hardware and software. I mean, it was absolutely massive year for Nintendo in which they had no releases, right? And they had Animal Crossing, which was the end of their fiscal last year. So um, and uh, obviously, IPO wise, from the video game space, uh, Unity was a huge winner, even though it's not really gaming, but. Uh, it's definitely related. Uh, they have convinced the many, 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 many investors that they are going to take over the world with their interactive uh, engine. So we shall see how that ends up. And then finally, I would say that Sony was a big winner from the console, you know, next gen stuff. I think they've just established themselves. They will become a far leader in the console wars, uh, you know, by midpoint next year or, or late next year. But for now, like their momentum is undeniable and their stock is up huge and with such a big company. That's why when Sony and Nintendo move, you know, the way they have, it's such a big deal because they're such huge companies. So anyway, it was a really, 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 really good year for video games from an investment perspective.
3: Right. So for me, I think it's really got to be MiHoYo with Genshin Impact. I, I don't, I mean, just given the nature of how well it did as well as the potential to kick off a new wave of, Console and PC development in China. And just to remind folks by the numbers, you know, Genshin made close to 400 million in its first two months since its launch on September 28, uh, on September 28. And this is just for mobile. So on, on mobile, it averaged more than 6 million a day. And remember that 30% of that re- revenue comes from China. And as Adam mentioned before, that's just tracking what we know. There are a bunch of alternative app stores, which also will contribute quite a bit of revenue, plus the PC and console revenue. So pretty tremendous. And while I'm talking about MiHoYo, also shout out to my buddy, Vincent Richard, who works at MiHoYo. And he also jumped on with me to do a seven-day water fast. So
2: anyway, hang in there, buddy. We're almost through this. This, I have Okay, now I have to touch upon. So anybody who follows JK on Instagram, the seven-day fast, like he's the worst salesman for the seven-day fast. (laughs) He goes in, he's like, my head hurts because uh, he can't drink coffee, so he has withdrawals of that. The weight is going down, but you're saying that it's going to come back at a bigger stage after the seven days. Uh, you're saying that he cannot sleep after the three days with, without food. Um, your breath smells horrible. That was another thing. <laughs> your wife won't <laughs> touch you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like nothing that you say is good about it. Then apparently, you know, there's going to be some good effects and this and that, but, but the negative ones... Yeah, you're not you're not getting me on.
3: <laughs> yeah, for anyone who's interested, fasting's great because it helps. Yeah, I mean, you can look at the research and you know, I don't want to go into a big debate about this, but it has been proven to kill off like microtumors for people who are worried about cancer and just good primarily for me for just showing mental toughness.
2: Anyway, it's hard, though. It's hard, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um all right let me let me talk about the uh, the winners. So number one winner in terms of, look I'm going to look only at mobile. So on mobile side it would have to be Social Casino. With the casinos all of the casinos being closed. This genre grew by 50% and just to raise a couple of games like Bingo Blitz by Playtica, up by 44% now making over 200 million a year. We got cash frenzy casino by spin doubling revenues 150 million a year lightning link casino growing 60 percent to 150 million and the real winner the craziest growth was of course moon active which doubled its revenue during the lockdown is now making over a billion a year that's All insane right. yeah mishka this is a really good
0: call out because yeah you're right. social casino just absolutely destroyed it in this year and by the way why weren't you at where was this like energy when you were doing the sensor tower podcast it was But terrible dude anyway um i don't believe i don't i don't agree with their classification coin master just for just to be clear here but regardless like the social casino genre was just a freaking powerhouse right and primarily because all the old ladies had nowhere to go right so they had to play on their phones but that's a really good call out
2: yeah and and that that leads to the MA because all these companies especially with the post idfa in the idfa slump they're looking to, to go to more uh, into the casual sector, perhaps into mid-course. Now they got all the reserve coming in uh, to to expand their portfolios. All right, let's talk about other winners. So Playrix, you guys are not talking about Playrix. Gardenscapes were making crazy money and it grew by 65%. Fuck. We got Fishdom that is like 200-year-old game that looked like something from Facebook Times. Doubled its revenue making like $300 million a year. Homescapes which is again an older title grew just cool 20% to making like about 700 million a year that is like, like playrix is absolutely killing it uh, so the only one that didn't really grow was township but even that game is like 1800 years old so and it's making like 250 a year or 300 and then um out of the uh, on the chinese side of things lilith insane rise of kingdoms up by 85%, becoming $1 billion game in a Forex category inside a year. AFK Arena, they, they have like a 400% growth. So currently making about 700 million a year. So grew from 200 to 700. They have this new shooter coming out. Which JK did a reaction video to because <laughs> it was so cool. Um, What's and, that one? Um, and, yeah. Farlight E4. What? And, Farlight 84. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so Lilith. Lilith is just amazing because it just covers all these different subgenres and and genres on on um, in in midcore like strategy um RPG shooters so it's just a, a fantastic company. And then final one, Eric is not going to like it, but Voodoo got it installs up from 900 million to 1.4 billion in 2020. And we have this sort of a calculation how we calculate ad revenue and what I'm approximating is that they went from 1 billion a year to 1.5 billion in ad revenue in 2020 so yeah, those okay. would be my companies
0: to call out oh give me a break about voodoo those guys are toast come By the f- way, did, idfa
3: did actually acquire the rise of kingdom studio now is that are they part of the same they, company? Didn't, they
2: didn't call me about it so i don't know <laughs> 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 all
3: right
0: all right telfer oh are we done oh we're done with biggest winners right Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the
1: exciting bit. Who is the biggest loser?
2: Big swingers. (laughs) Let's
3: talk about. have a big list here too, Adam.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So here, I've got a New Year's resolution. I'm going to be a Sally for all of 2021. I'm going to try to tone down the negativity on this podcast. I'll be try to be a little bit more
3: positive. (gasps) Are you
0: out out of your epic mind, dude? Come on, man. Be real.
1: (laughs) I will be real. Sure. So, biggest losers. I'm going to say who, who, of course, like did not, who failed to grow during COVID, right? We've already covered Rovio. Um, uh, Miska. you just went through Supercell. So I think by proxy, that's pretty much all of Finland in general. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Finland failed. Finland failed. All you, you finished people, you year failed this year.
1: killed seconds after uh, I th- made it. Yeah. Good one. Um, but yeah, d- generally, of course, the companies that, that struggled during COVID, right? Um, biggest thing is anybody who just did not have a sustaining live game during 2020, right, just really struggled, especially if they were trying to focus on growing and new games or launch new games. Um, Those are the companies that really struggled. But in terms of, you know, the big two, I would say, um, I'll probably get fired because of this, but CD Projekt Red, for obvious reasons and uh, facebook uh, for idfa and of course the regulatory pressure that's coming in all
3: right facebook in 2020 i mean maybe facebook in 2021 I, i'm not sure if we could say they're a big loser in 2020
2: yeah yeah I, I wouldn't agree all right let me let me take on this this insult towards finland so you just praised <laughs> reworks you just said like that was one of the big grows that's from helsinki um calling out a couple other small games like hill climb racing from FingerSoft, they got like 135 million installs last year, so pretty good in, in hybrid casual, if you will. Please stop. Uh, and then, Please stop. Come on, it's it's making plenty of money. And then Battle Legion from Traplight was a really dope game uh, from a smaller studio, but doing pretty well. But I do have to agree with Adam that the uh, the sort of a crown jewels of, of Helsinki were not quite as shiny, um, and and this is this is kind of sad because also. Finland has been probably the best uh performing country with the covid management or whatever you want to call it so least amount of death uh least strict restrictions apart from Sweden which has no restriction which they're suffering from now but um but overall like it's not being that bad and at the same time our games haven't been doing that well and if i have to raise one it's of course talking about supercell and um my early prediction about Supercell was that they would have been one of the biggest winners of lockdowns because if you consider games like Clash of Clans or Clash Royale or or Brawl Stars, they're social. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to play. They have all the clans and like they should be doing well as well as Heyday. It's like a quite social farming game. Nevertheless, like if you start going through the last year, first of all they canceled Heyday Pop, which they launched during COVID. It looked really good. It played really good. It had some interesting mechanics, but it kind of showed that small teams can't make uh, a big puzzle game. And it was kind of sad to see that Supercell didn't accommodate the needs of this project, but instead it, it tried to still grow this game with a, with a smaller team and kind of like, you know, not half-assed, but be creative in a way they create content, which is actually not the way the, uh, the players really want to enjoy. The, the bad thing was Clash Royale. It fell by about, 33 percent over 2020 and this is just continuing decline for the game. I think the big effect is the uh, the battle pass model that they integrated and JK you did an excellent video with with Giovanni Ducati about the two different battle pass models Clash of Clans versus Clash Royale that kind of underlines the issues with the battle pass model that Clash Royale implemented and how that is Sinking the economy of the game and we're really seeing it through the effects and this is my you know, favorite game on mobile, Clash Royale. It's so good that I can't play it because I get hooked. And seeing it decline like 33% during the market growing 30% is is really worrisome. Clash of Clans was down by 7% only. I mean, it's a it's an old game, very old game. But even that would have been much larger if they hadn't done the uh, the December update during which they they got a pretty big spike. And the only game that really grew in the portfolio was Brawl Stars. That was up by almost 30%. But pretty much all the uptake was coming from the China launch. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. So you're doing well in China. But when you start looking at the number, you start looking at the growth curves, it's really a shark fin. And it's really like a steep shark fin. Like they make all the money in a couple of months, and then they're down by over 90% of the run rate from the beginning. And then you add to that that the game wasn't even published by Supercell. It was published or it was published by Yuzu. And supercell together so what's the revenue split on that like it's it's not that good and um and yeah and and when you sum this all up together you're getting the number of like minus four percent for supercell throughout the year which makes it a fifth year in a row where the company is not growing actually declining a little bit and um and you know that's that's not good that's that's not good especially talking about like your favorite companies but at the same time, I want to say like don't get it twisted. They still made 1.6 billion with a few hundred people. That's insane. And the legacy titles like Boom Beach and Heyday, like those games are making tens to hundred million, you know, dollars a year with with you know hardly any updates and still still like doing extremely well. So they're down, but they're still at insane size. Look, I, I just
0: want to be clear here. Like, I, I think your assessment was a very balanced approach to discussing Supercell. But I want to be saying from the get-go, since we started this podcast, I've been dead right about Supercell. <laughs> and everything I've said about Supercell has happened. They do not have a culture to grow this company. It is going to be what it is. It's going to continue to decline until they find some breakout hit that may or may not come, right? So they 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 need to change the way they do things in order to be... Uh, to continue, continue to to be a big player in mobile, right? Yeah,
3: and I mean, we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it does seem like if you think about SuperCell's model, so what can we expect? What could drive this drive SuperCell growth? I mean, based on their model, probably only two genres that pop off would be auto chess and a card battle game. I mean, that fits their model. Or yeah, those games don't do jack. Yeah. Okay. Or they jump into console, right? They go into they go into yeah. H- no, I mean, I, that's with yeah. 10, if team of ten making a console game, right? No, no because no, that the, the, needs their model against console. But again, but. that's the reason they
0: they can't do it because that's what they've been maintaining the small size and small teams and like this yeah. this this culture that's not scalable. Period. Yeah. End of sentence. Right? And without scalability, you know they'll maintain profitability, but they will not be scalable. Right? They're actually not even maintaining the profitability. So anyway, moving on. To the next yeah. game. This, this shit we called like from the get go, dude. Riot was on this motherfucker and we <laughs> talked about this shit. <laughs> well, and well, this well, is exactly what happened. We said the ex- if exactly what's happened, happened, right? So go yeah. ahead.
2: Yeah, because we're talking about like Supercell, and then let's talk about the other favorite company that I have, and that's Riot, and Riot, especially on mobile. And it's it, it doesn't look good. Like Legends of Ruined Terra, <laughs> Apple chose it as game of the year. That's a great award. But the fact is that they have made about like 10 million in revenue, with revenue per install being a third of what it was for Hearthstone when Hearthstone launched, so nine weeks later. So they're trailing significantly behind Hearthstone in, in monetization, which is, and Hearthstone is not like a, you know, greatly monetizing game. It's, it's all right, but, but it's not a, like a, an RPG game. Then we have teamfight tactics, and I've been playing this game a lot. I've been actually playing both Legends of Runeterra, which is, you know, absolutely great quality doesn't really monetize. Then TFT, Teamfight Tactics. I it does it has no monetization <laughs> mechanics and absolutely no progression <laughs> mechanics. Like I wish that they would do a simple thing like a re- leaderboard. Like that would be amazing. Like if I would know that I'm moving up, then I would at least feel that there was something that I gained during these 45 minutes of really good core gameplay. But it doesn't do anything. It's it's just, and, and it has been live for a good while. Like I understand they launched it quickly, but, and they do very, very, very big updates where they change the whole meta and I love it. But then there's there's no progression. And I know there's a battle pass, but let me tell you, there's no monetization. A donation button would be much better than the, the battle pass that they have. Like donate, I would donate, donate to the cause, right? that buy something. Riot, I'm happy to donate. Money, I love your game, but but this game has no, no progression. And then Wild Rift. So J.K. had some crazy number for it that's going to make like fifty million in the U.S. And I was dude, arguing, no, because like are it. not played. <laughs> dude, it looks like a train wreck, dude. So we, have, a train wreck. We, have a, we have a golden cohort now. So the first cohort, everybody who fucking loves League of Legends is playing it right now. That accounts to about ten million in net revenues and you know they have like 50 million downloads and the ads are running everywhere like i cannot watch a youtube video without seeing an ad for wild Rift. the rpi is 60 cents and when i compared that to brawl stars which is not good at monetization you know especially in the beginning for the same amount of time it's um it's half of what brawl stars was making in the beginning of brawl stars before the battle passes before all of that so overall riot on mobile is like 40 million stalls with League of Legends IP on all three games. And um and they have definitely invested into user acquisition. I don't know how much with Rune Terra or TFT, but definitely with Wild Rift. Like I'm seeing ads everywhere. And um and and it's not, you know, it's not looking like a slam dunk, but at the same time, TFT and Rune Terra can be making maybe even like 70% of their revenues on PC. Wild Rift of course is is mobile only. So, so Riot on mobile it, at least during the first year is is not the same as Riot on PC. <laughs> well, you have to give them Valorant.
0: Valorant did pretty well, but that thing's a fucking shark fin too, right? So it's not delivering much revenue anymore as did it initially with this huge launch. So they're basically one of four, right? And I think you guys made me feel like an asshole when we were speaking to the Riot guy, but dude, this is like not the right strategy. You just can't do a shotgun approach to this stuff. And particularly on some of the... <laughs> Some of the genres they were going after.
3: Anyway. <laughs> well I, so I think way, I, Eric, I, I think when you were off, Adam suggested we kinda do a deep dive on Wild Rift and do new projections. But uh, why? Yeah. Why? It's not going to do shit. Okay. I mean, I'll tell you that now,
0: right? Why? Why bother? Right? Okay. We'll do it. We'll do. It I'm happy.
2: Time. I I love. Like, I didn't install that game because I knew I would be playing it a lot, and then I just I wanted to concentrate on some other games. It It looked really good. I like mobas. Okay. As I said, all. Okay. All them. Enough is enough, dude. No
0: mobas on mobile in the West. Full stop. I've said it a gazillion times. I I, I why? Why do people keep doing it? Stop it. Dude, the the the, uh, the game, the Marvel game from fucking Netmarble, it came out right. Uh, it's a no, fucking that, that disaster. No, no, but that was just bad. No, Star no. Wars, disaster. <laughs> Marvel's no, game, no. disaster. Dude, there's no way of making money with a fucking MOBA on mobiles. Just stop. Okay, okay. Yeah. The only mobile MOBA is Clash Royale. Right, that's the way to fucking do a MOBA on mobile. right? <laughs> anyway, all right, moving on. Okay. My big losers. Um, and actually, you know what? I don't have that many. I'm, I, I, am, I am purely focused. Okay. First, CDPR. Right. So the whole story here is one of the biggest disasters in the career, of, of, of my career, watching this unfold. Right. Uh, the expectations were fucking so out of whack with reality. Um, I want to go into this a little bit deeper next next week because I know it's been covered to death, but I have a different, unique, relatively unique angle from the investor perspective. And the reason that this got so far ahead of itself, and why this was probably one of the best sh- uh, fundamental short calls I've ever done in my career, um, was was because of how this hype machine and who the fuck was responsible for this this disaster debacle. Um, all right, the second is Apple. Apple. Just for being douchebags, okay. Fundamentally, these guys have basically turned every single one of their fucking partners against them for the most part. You know, the ones that can say something or saying something, everyone else is just grumbling, right? Facebook, Epic, all the other game publishers, everyone is fucking bit, pitter, and pissed off, right? They maintain their reputation with their consumer, which is probably their main point, right? And they're a whole reason for being. But the general hate for this company is at an all time high right now, in my view. Uh, amongst uh, their partners. Um, Again, as talked before, the established mobile players just got kind of buried in this (laughs) this year, right? King disaster this year, right? They can't grow to save their lives. Uh, They keep making the same fucking game over and over again and expecting different results. And meanwhile, Playrix and all these other guys are innovating against them and making their games look really old and stupid, okay? Uh, Supercell continues to languish because... Because they're Supercell, right? Maybe they're finished. I don't know, dude. They, they got problems, right? They got to figure out how to grow this company. But maybe they don't need to grow. Maybe they just do what I would. Yeah. And then finally, which I can't believe no one else mentioned, is Apple Arcade. Because no one is talking about it because it was a stupid idea from the get-go. And Google Stadia. What the fuck? Google Stadia got destroyed by Microsoft, right? Like Microsoft's just like, bam, dominoes. I got everything. I don't need this fucking bullshit streaming thing. It's a fucking footnote, right? It always has been. Google Stadia was a dumb idea from the get-go and it's a dumb idea now. And nothing they can do is going to change that, right? Until they fucking build like or buy EA or something. Um, anyway, so those are my big ones for the year. I think uh, overall, like it's been an amazing year for video games. There's not much to complain about but uh but anyway that's it what do you got jk
3: yeah no i agree with you like 2020 was so good for so many game companies and i i do have to say the majority of folks benefited very significantly number of folks have made a ton of money in 2020 but i guess for me i i think that you know we got to bring up the mobile attribution vendors like the at least from a mind share perspective the apple idfa stuff is is you know has the potential to significantly hurt their business. We'll see how it all plays out this year, but uh their business is definitely going to have to adjust and I agree with you Eric in terms of Apple just the the popular perception and then just the the perception from developers is definitely at an all-time low. So that on top of the margin pressure that they're they're already feeling, right? So for for royalty. So that is what I've got. So then moving on, maybe we talk about best game of 2020. Best game, Adam?
1: Yeah, sure. So on mobile, um, I would give it to Arknight and to Genshin Impact um, for obvious reasons. And I just think Arknight is, was a, I think it was actually launched last year, but this is really the year that I picked up and played it and globally launched. On um, PC console, um, biggest, of course, winner there would be Warzone. Um, and I definitely played a lot and really that the. Their events were incredible. The gameplay modes were incredible, um, but uh, as well, Ghost of Tsushima from the summer was probably one of my favorite open-world premium games. In terms of underappreciated designer-focused games, um, Satisfactory, kind of building on the Factorial model, um, was definitely very interesting to play this year. And as well, Monster Train, which built off the Slate Aspire design. Um, those are the two kind of indie, underappreciated designer-focused games that I'd recommend people play.
0: Uh, I think for me, I'm gonna agree on Genshin Impact. I think that was by far the biggest game on mobile um, and, and, and PC, for that matter. I think that was an unbelievable success, unpredictable, right? That's the type of thing, just not predictable, right? I was half joking, but the WoW expansion really surprised me. Like, if I were to get one thing wrong this year, one of the major things is that the WoW expansion is quite good, <laughs> and I, I didn't expect that at all. But I think the 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 best game or the most amazing game this year is Animal Crossing, right? Animal Crossing has been the same fucking game forever, right? 20 years, this thing has been the same game. And it's still the same freaking game, right? But it would just absolutely crushed it, right? It was the right game at the right time, right beginning of COVID. Um, it's, it has sold 26, probably almost 30 million or more units over its lifetime, which was last, I think last March or something. Uh, the last entry only sold 12 million on DS, right? That's how big this game has become because it's been a fucking niche game forever, right? It's very popular and very beloved, but man, this thing has just destroyed it. Right. And it's also helped, um, Nintendo really kind of expand its, its footprint and et cetera. So those are the, those are the, the I don't know. My view is the best game. How about you
3: JK? So for me, I mean, among us was published in 2018, but certainly 2020 was a year of blew up, but You know, and just given the degree of difficulty, given how small that team is, right? It's like three or maybe four people. But if we're excluding Among Us, I'd have to say Call of Duty Warzone. I'm not sure about the current numbers, but Warzone was up to 75 million players last August. Still very popular and the highest stream game of any 2020 game release on Twitch. So those guys definitely did a fantastic job. Mishka?
2: All right. I have a few categories. So, of course, the ones that I mentioned previously, CoinMaster, AFK, Rise of Kingdoms, let's not talk about those because they're, those are like the biggest revenue drivers. So I would say best one that that rode the lockdown uh, trend would be Roblox. I mean, all the kids were playing it. Uh, the game doubled its revenues, making $1 billion, uh, on mobile alone. Uh, best worldwide hit would be PUBG. Uh, they're currently at a three billion run rate, and, and they're doing excellent in China. They're doing excellent in Korea. They're doing excellent in in Western Europe. They're doing excellent anywhere. So I would say like PUBG is 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 the most universal hit. Uh, best live ops goes to Activision and Kot Mobile. I mean, going from hundred million to five hundred million in twenty twenty is straight up savage. <laughs> it's just insane. Uh, and then some niche awards uh, of games that I've been playing: Battle Prime. In my opinion, has the best third person shooter core out there. I play COD Mobile in third person and I play Battle Prime as well. That game is beautiful. I mean, it it doesn't have the same, of course, not not nearly the same mechanics as as COD Mobile, but I think this game was developed by the uh, the makers of of World of Tanks Mobile. Really cool stuff from from Minsk, I believe. Uh would be the best incremental innovation. Like taking design home and and innovating on that, it's something that nobody was able to do. And now they're they are they're, you know, half of the size of Redecore, which is already a huge game. And the best kind of a core game innovation would go to Battle Legion. I really like the, uh, the swipe to battle. Um, super engaging, kind of like a slots meets uh, clash royale, auto chess mechanic. Anyways, just really, really good. So those would be my awards if I can give them anything. Other than clout. We can give them clout.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Moving on to the worst games of 2020. I'll I'll start (laughs) here. Um, Look, I think Cyberpunk has to be on this list. Now, the game is not bad, right? It's actually pretty good in general. But given how profoundly disappointing this game was on current-gen consoles, in which were the standard by which they were built, (laughs) okay, because... This game was in development like, what, eight years ago or something, six years ago or something insane. Um, the fact that they don't work on current-gen consoles is it's just it's just criminal, you know? And so we'll see what happens with that. Um, but uh, yeah, Cyberpunk, I think, is the biggest disappointment, and I would consider it the worst game based upon their expectations. But in terms of bad games, I think Avengers from Square Enix was another huge disappointment for both the company and the fans. I don't think this game really did it; lended itself to what it was trying to do and you know they tried their best but it was just kind of a train wreck and then i have to say legends of runeterra right you have to say that any game that comes out with such a big ip with tons of money and 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 tons of uh support that bombs in this way and wild riff will likely be the worst game of 2021 right but you know it's it's just not it's not a good 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 look you know like i I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I love the right guys. I think you guys are amazing, but this is not the right skew plan for y'all. Um, uh, I would never have built this game. I would never even greenlit this game. Uh, but anyway, so that those are the ones I got. What do you
1: think? What do you got, Adam? Yeah, <laughs> worst game is kind of a weird title here. I mean, it is like the way that you're evolu- evol- evaluating these things. It's more far off expectations, right? Yeah, um, because of course, like Cyberpunk, then has to be on that list because. It, yeah, I actually I, I played through Cyberpunk. That was my uh, Christmas holiday. It was playing all the way through Cyberpunk and Demon Souls actually, and I really enjoyed Cyberpunk. Uh, I played it on PC. I was lucky; I had no bugs. Um, but I played right to the end of the story, and I would say it's definitely better than Red Dead Redemption Two. I whoa, it was whoa, 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 yeah. whoa! Really? Yeah, I had, I honestly say it was it was a better open world game than Red Dead Redemption Two. all right i've been playing on pc
0: i i I gotta get back into it again but i have been playing on pc it is pretty beautiful it's amazing game i have to i'm not the thing is i'm not really dissing it it's just based upon expectations you know you can't deny of course but man like
1: playing on pc with ray tracing on like yeah it's beautiful wow it's incredible um yeah it's it's, it's, it's a next gen game that's the problem i know
0: so (laughs) so so i I really want to do, I did want to talk about this today because I had all these things in my head about this for the last like couple of weeks, but the thing is that like all right, let's wait till next
1: week. I'm not gonna go off on this yeah, shit yeah <laughs> um it, it, as well, like with Avengers, right, like obviously failed to build an end game, right um, but I'm not gonna say it's, it was the worst game of the year, right like it was a decent story driven game, and the combat was fine, it just their ambitions there were to have a sustaining end game, and they didn't build. it. Um, so for me, it's it's kind of difficult to say what the worst game of the year is, because I don't even know if I played it, right? Like, I, I played so many different games, they all have their merits, but in, at the end of the day, right, like many of them exceeded expectations. And, and I think Cyberpunk and Avengers is probably what the best the of for the ones- this, because yeah. they were just so far off. Sorry, go ahead, Joe.
3: Adam, what was the worst of the ones you played?
1: Was, was the worst game that I, I, the thing is, I can't say it because these are like prototypes and like early games, right? Like, there's so many of these games that you play like early in development that I'm like, this is so bad. I have no idea where you're going to get
3: to. Um, but I can't say that on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, by Metacritic, the worst game of 2020 was a game called Bounty Battle on Switch with a Metacritic score of 23. But for me, and just because, you know, we got to keep it real here, guys. And by the way, to be honest, I'm a fan of behavior, and they have an incredible reputation. But Game of Thrones Beyond the Wall, like, guys, what what happened? It seems like a game that's kind of muddled, trying to be too many things and copying various systems from other games into a bit of a Frankenstein. But for me, that was the worst game I played in 2020.
2: Mishka? Um so I'm not going to say worst game. I'm going to say biggest disappointment uh-huh. because that's what <laughs> you Guys
3: are missing out. Come on. <laughs> well,
2: it's not, it's, it's uh, okay. Well, let me let me call out so number 1, I don't know if this is launched globally yet, but Kabam was making Marvel Contest of Champions sequel. It's called Marvel Realm of Champions and Eric, it's a MOBA. And um <laughs> and I've again, I've played all the MOBAs on mobile. This is among the the worst. Um, I, I'm I'm sorry. Like like it is so simple. It has uh it has mar- Marvel characters that are again done really well. It's really polished. But it's like those first MOBAs that came onto mobile. Like I think Zynga had like Solstice Arena like seven years ago. So it's like that. It's like a it's like small skirmishes in a MOBA MOBA setting. And you're playing with Iron Man. I'm seeing Eric's face. It's like he's in awe. Um, well, why <laughs> so- are you apologizing to me, dude? I've been saying. <laughs> this for like fifteen? No, no, eight years now, dude. It's a disaster, dude. This, this is, is done. This is, this is just coming as in a disappointment. I really like Kabam I really like Contest of Champions. I like what they're doing. Yeah, I like no loyalty to Kabam and I dude. played this game. I played this game, and I was like, "Oh shit, guys." This is not going well. <laughs> it's uh, done like, like it's done four hundred thousand dollars in revenue and three million yeah, in downloads. It, right? It's like you put you put like like you know ch- I like chocolate, I like popcorn, I put them together, they're all good. In this case, yes, I like mobas and I like Marvel. It's like chocolate and, and, and popcorn, but it just tastes horrible. Anyway, so I mean, not I mean, not chocolate and popcorn. popcorn.
1: What? <laughs> it's
2: it's chocolate and peanut butter. Taste. that's crazy that would be anyway so okay so i'm gonna say another disappointment so i love vikings show it's like it's one of my it's my favorite show probably somebody made a game at so fifth planet made a game of vikings like i love vikings like you cannot go like Nobody loves more. This game was dog shit. Like it was so poorly done <laughs> that I felt insulted. Like it, it was full of bugs. I couldn't even pass the tutorial. It was it was like made in like three months. So do better. Like do not destroy this amazing IP with, with cheap game like that. Um the worst product market fit of of the year was Tom Clancy Elite Squad. That's a good like, one, dude. That's when, a really when good Ubisoft one. Ubisoft launched the other videos. I was like holy shit this is everything that i wanted art style characters everything and then it was a turn-based <laughs> rpg and i was like what the <laughs> oh, fuck like a slots would have been as bad of a product market fit probably like do you want to play tom clancy's slots <laughs> like no i want to play tom clancy like a fucking shooting game or or even action rpg but not turn-based rpg with these characters so so Excellent execution, but the worst product market fit of the year. And um, and I want to mention as last one, anything that outfit outfit seven, so the makers of Tom, uh, talking Tom, everything that they've done is horrendous and needs to be banned and removed from App Store. Oh, this is something on. as a parent. <laughs> as a parent, I hate everything that they do. It is so vile. It is so filled with ads. My daughter is screaming and crying, disappointed that she – like there's ads coming everywhere. Like Apple, do your job and take this <laughs> publisher out of the app store <laughs> or make the games – I'm happy to pay for talking, Tom. Happy. Like just put a fucking price and I'll pay it. But do not show endless ads to my daughter <laughs> about casual games. <laughs> so so yeah I, i'm sorry like I, I hate everything that outfit seven does but you know just the games but the guys are really cool excellent business <laughs> the products as a parent i hate them i i this is the only game that i write the one star review and ask for, to remove this game so <laughs> Huh. Wow.
3: Anyway. You it real, man. <laughs> Dude, like, wow. this, is,
2: okay. this is really that, was the <laughs> game that I
3: hate.
2: This like, is the a only very depressing
0: podcast. Yeah. That was really impressive though. Like I, the call out on Elite Squad was really smart because I was looking played this game for like five minutes. I'm like, you have got to be joking me, right? It's fucking beautiful. It's really well made. I'm sure it, it costs a gajillion dollars to make for these guys. Yeah. And it's just like the wrong fit, man. Like anybody I, I don't know. Anybody looks at the market data could have told you not to do this. But anyway, all right, moving anybody on.
2: Anybody who plays games could have told it. But I know. if you look at the what, market th- data, then it makes all the sense because you're like, Oh, action, like RPGs make a lot of money, so this is kinda of like a half idol. It's like AFK. Let's <sighs> make AFK money with Tom Clancy characters. It's like, no, did you talk to your audience? Come on, guys. What are you what are we doing here? Deck yeah, yeah. game design.
3: <laughs>
2: anyway. All right, moving on to biggest trend of
3: 2020. Biggest trend
1: yeah. yeah, it's kind of hard to say what what the biggest trend is for 2020 because it felt like it wasn't really a trend year, right? Like following a trend it actually felt more like an adapt or die type of year, right? Adapting to IDFA, figuring out how to do any sort of attribution in 2021 uh, and beyond, and of course adapting to COVID. Um adapting all your pipelines so you can deliver more events, faster sales during lockdowns. Um, but I would say, kind of continuing on from 2019, because I think we also covered that then, subscriptions as a whole continued to kind of um, get bolstered. Battle passes continued to be implemented. And I think everyone kind of figured out that this is a retention mechanic not a monetization mechanic, but figured out how to implement it in their own games. Um, Event design, um, I've been following through Liquid and Grit through the year, and it's been very interesting to kind of look through how events have been evolving. Um, Really, we're at the point now where we we just have games within games, right? Novel gameplay events, it was really becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Um, And on the HD side, um, the biggest trend really is party games. Uh, it's absolutely crazy how much, like, say, Among Us and Phantasmagoria have just exploded onto the scene. So, in terms of the the trend that people need to take a look at, that's definitely one of them. And I think Fortnite Spy Within mode um, definitely points to that. Um, so, especially if we're talking about like really novel gameplay events that kind of pull players back, um, this party games is definitely a thing now. Huh? Eric, yeah, I I actually. <laughs> was
0: thinking about this over the break um you know my and i don't want to go too deep into this but the expansion of interactive over the last like 15 20 years since i've been in this business has been pretty dramatic and 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 amazing right and part of it's that as they as you get more and more platforms that intro it to different demographics then the expansion goes because as we've said many times at the in the old EA days, interactive is better than passive. And so once you show people how much interactive is better than TV or movies or other things like that, they get hooked, right? And mobile did that for the older generation and, and you know DS did that for the younger generation. And and we we just continue. We have Roblox, we have all this stuff. And I think COVID this year was actually another yeah, acceleration of people's embracing interactive versus passive. When all the movie theaters are down, you've watched a gazillion shows on Netflix. Nothing's going on in fucking LA with these, with uh, Hollywood. Like people are playing more and more interactive games and finding how compelling they are. So I think this has been a huge thing for both mobile, for Nintendo, for Sony, for Microsoft, um, obviously Apple and and Google. uh, And I think it is bullish for the long-term prospects of the industry. Now, are we going to have some kind of pullback next year, this year? Maybe, right. It's going to be a tough comp, but, Overall, I think it's all good and bullish for the industry uh, as a whole. Um, I do agree with you. we are seeing a further expansion of the season passes across different genres, which I think is 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 good. It provides a way of monetizing easier, maybe a little bit um, and maybe maybe what I'm hoping is that you can make a proof case that uh it's increasing uh conversion because conversion is stuck at such a low number in the West. Uh, it would be nice to have these type of mechanisms improve conversion. Generally speaking, um, and I think the last thing is consolidation. You know, we're just continuing to see both consolidation of of, of industry players, but also of con- consolidation of share at the top of the top games and the top publishers. That trend could like will likely continue both on mobile and console. Um, I think the small and the middle mid sized companies are just can't compete anymore. Um, in the space. So that, that, that trend should continue, but definitely seeing that for sure.
3: Yeah. So Eric, I agree with you. That's what I was going to say in terms of the consolidation, that was a pretty huge trend in 2020. And then I think for me, the one other trend is just like the rise of influencer marketing. It just became really clear that influencers rule marketing, marketing for games. Now, at least on the HD side is influencer marketing. Uh, So, I expect that to continue and I also expect for influencers to, the trend I would watch out for just extrapolating what's happening here is that influencers know this, right? So I do expect influencers to start getting more involved with game developers in 2021.
2: Mishka? Mm. Yeah, my, mine is, is, again, around m and A. I I mean... Stillfront was kind of like the poster boy with sandbox interactive super free games evergillp Nanobit candy Rider Babel games babel babel store and and through that, the trend of this sort of a roll up fever that we've seen in the Stockholm stock exchange, I think uh the way they've been as Eric says, boiling the ocean and 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 acquiring a lot of companies and increasing tremendously company valuation by by just acquiring these these assets these companies. I think that's that's sort of a trend that a lot of companies have been looking and asking themselves, why are we not doing what what Stillfront is doing? Like, why didn't we we understand that this could be a, a strategy to move forward with? So I think this sort of a, this, this M&A, like different approaches to M&A, not only the, the Zynga approach or the Platika approach where you acquire somebody that is good and help them to become even better, but this sort of a, let's just acquire, you know, mediocre companies with no... You know, no insults on that. Like, I would love to be a, a mediocre company, uh, but acquire those mediocre companies, put them together and kind of add a lot of B's and make it into AAA. That's that's pretty amazing. And I think that they are really showing the way of of, um, yeah, of a different strat- growth strategy. Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Before you
0: <laughs> they haven't done it yet. Right. All they've done is buy things. They haven't actually rolled it up and made it
2: create well, something new. Well, I mean, like increasing stock valuation by just rolling companies together and going from whatever they were to whatever they are now. Like, I, I, I just, I don't follow stock that much. I see the trend line, and it's always up with StillFront. Like, I, I think about buying the stock, and I'm like, it was six hundred. Now it's like twelve hundred. Like, whoa, what, what, what just happened? And they just acquired a couple of, you know, right, that
0: again, that's different from actually executing, right? But whatever, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it is, is huge. So what StillFront's doing is amazing. Um, yeah,
3: Yeah, bankers dream. <laughs> All right. Biggest news item of 2020, Adam.
1: Uh, my top three, number one has to be IDFA. Um, number two, Epic versus Apple. And number three is just general M&A as well as IPOs through this year.
0: Yeah, I think those are those are the three big ones. I, I would add CG Project to this because I think you know, because it was such a last minute thing, uh, you know, the delay into December, I think it it hit the airwaves and was just almost overwhelming for the last couple of weeks um, during the holidays. Um, but uh, yeah, IDFA, I think IDFA is going to be even a bigger news story this year as people kind of understand, finally understand what the hell is going to happen there. But yeah, yeah, it's a, that's a good list.
3: Yeah, I I'm gonna have to say Epic versus Apple just because it was so unexpected. I mean, I think the IDFA stuff Apple's been signaling that for a while, but Epic versus Apple literally came out of nowhere, and the balls on Tim Sweeney. I mean, come on, we got. I I think we clearly have to say that was the biggest news item of 2020, in my opinion.
2: Mishka, same same IDFA Epic versus Apple, just the bold and bombastic approach. So, you know, it was um uh it was interesting and interesting to follow how that goes forward. But uh, let's talk about skeptical moves. Like the, uh, this is the the one that I added here, like this was supposed to end, but I wanted to, I wanted to ask like, what is the one that, that kind of makes you, you know, the skeptical hippo eyes, like you did what? <laughs> so, so what, what would that be, Adam?
1: <laughs> I think you're going to go in much more detail on this, right? But I think the, uh, the one that kind of came up over and over, of course, during the consolidation, was people picking up some of these companies when we just don't know the impact of IDFA, and specifically picking up hyper casual companies. Um, so, of course, Rolic comes to mind. I don't, Miska, you go much, much well, more detail on this.
2: Well, well, yeah. So, so Rolex was for me the the, the skeptical hippo eyes for sure because Zynga had such a clear strategy of of uh, forever franchises and and what they're acquiring and what they're helping to grow and it was so clear and then with, with Rolex things were different. So with, with Rolic a lot of things stood up. So first of all was the 80% for 168 million in cash. And that, that's when when the skeptical <laughs> people eyes kind of came in. Uh it wasn't a forever franchise but they were yet talking about that it's kind of like forever franchise because they have just a, such a vast portfolio. So in the sense of the size of the portfolio is kind of forever uh they were talking about you know, there was just different messages coming over and over again that were talking about how ad revenue is really sustainable in the post-IDFA era. Like, this is something that we're able to hold because it's so wide and this and that. Then there was some IDFV talk and, like, how big of an audience it is and how much they're going to learn. Uh, Chris Petrovic, it was on the podcast. You guys did an excellent uh, interview. But at the same time, he left, you know, quickly after that Rolex acquisition, probably had nothing to do with it. But, you know, things come together. And then after that acquisition of, of uh, of onect which is one of the portfolio games that rolic has and how important that was for them that that was weird so I was kind of trying to write about hyper casual in and, and and um and then i was reading eric suford's blog and he had um dan barnes writing about hyper casual so instead of me telling about hyper casual let me just per, uh, quote dan barnes who's coo of network so he said this year will be the year that we truly see a decline in hyper casual. The main driver of this will be the fact that the advertisers who were bidding high CPIs on that traffic in the hope of finding one or two high value payers that pay for all the other wasted impressions will dissipate. The reason for this is advertisers who use high risk, high cost, high reward strategy will no longer have the user level information that they have had before to enable them to understand which strategies work and which do not at the level of individual users. So he goes more and more further, and he ends that this means the strategy that companies like Zynga have employed to stave off the risk of IDFA deprecation will prove to be short sighted. Uh, This is well known and well researched and like everybody was writing about this, and yet they made this acquisition with 168 of cash for a company that is two year old. Uh, with you know, it, it's just so many hits, you know skeptical. How can you ideas?
0: have voodoo as one of your best best stories for 2020, and then give the criticism of fucking dude? These all guys are screwed, right? We were no, talking. No, I talked about this like a year ago. casual is just a, a flash in the pan, dude. It's it's not sustainable, right? It's a shitty business, able to right?
2: Grow significantly its revenues. It's it's. Uh, and and it's one of the few that, that were not actually one of the few, a lot of hyper casual developers grew, but Voodoo has shown true sustainability in hyper casual and immense growth and immense revenue. So, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. Dude, but their but revenue gonna is going to be like 40% less next year, right? Yeah, but but Voodoo is really good. So, Voodoo is, I mean, their Dude, leader. They're, okay, whatever.
0: Anyway, moving on. All right. I think all the right. biggest question marks I've had in my mind since this this year started is the roll ups for Embracer. I don't understand what the fuck Embracer is doing. Like the companies that they're acquiring, even though they're friends of mine, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know how you make a business out of that. Right? This only could end badly. That's all I'm saying, and I, I'm gonna like, move on. Uh, the The worst IPOs this year were obviously uh, Skills for the first part, this Spac that is skills is just a shitty business and i don't know what the fuck is going on with that like any type of SPAC is risky enough but skills is not the right type of company and finally uh and and the other thing is unity i think unity uh is riding this huge wave of enterprise software and engine development and all this other stuff but most of their business is related to advertising most of their growth actually all their growth is probably related to advertising so i think they will have a uh (laughs) some issues going forward and then finally anything to do with hyper casual hyper casual has always been a train wreck waiting to happen a circle jerk between these 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 organizations that are just trying to you know the last fool theory of people investing in this business these type of businesses and when idfa comes and kind of like you know cuts them at the knees i think you know it'll be kind of the end of of this this uh you know this ponzi scheme that's hyper casual.
3: Yeah, but just to be clear, Eric, I don't think you can say it was always bad, right? Like because of the what what Mishka quoted Dan Barnes talking about the the notion of uh, CPM hotspots and the ability to be able to whale hunt amongst all the all the players, right? So that you can find those those high LTV players amongst all the within that audience. So no, it, no,
0: no but, but again, the whole point of this, and maybe maybe I just don't understand this stuff, which is tr- probably true. I don't know understand yeah. advertising all that well. What I'm saying is that when sixty or seventy percent of your business is other hyper casual game companies, then that is not a sustainable model, right? It does That's that part too.
3: But by the way, I, I'm going to help you out, Eric. So I recorded a uh, a panel discussion on ad monetization in 2021, and uh, these these people actually do a great job of breaking it down. But we'll publish that soon to the podcast. Uh, but for me, I would say the most skeptical move is. You mentioned it, but the skill SPAC, to be fair, I'm not super deep into this, but just generally speaking about SPACs with all the fees, like, so there there are some, I, I think in certain cases, SPACs make sense. Like, you know, I am a huge fan of Chama Palahapati. I think some of his stuff is good, but generally speaking, I'd say SPACs are not great. And again, I'm not that deep into skills, but. <laughs> the whispers on the street. And these are pretty high level people. The amount of shit talking about skills is another level, guys. It's just like I, I, again, I can't, I can't repeat what I'm hearing, but damn,
2: <laughs> the, can, you, the, can you repeat it on deconstructor fun Slack channel? <laughs> Which is a segue. <laughs> if you want to join, contact JK, and he will tell you about all the uh, all the whispers he's he's hearing. Also, what is like can somebody explain to me what SPAC is?
3: Yeah, so basically what happens is that uh you you're basically taking a company public through I, actually Eric can you explain it actually I I don't
0: think I have a good way of explaining it. I don't think I can explain it as well frankly. I uh I I don't really know much about them. It's but, but a, lot, a lot of times people use well In this case, I think no, I can't say that. Anyway,
3: I the way I understand SPAC is this: explain it in a very poor way. Okay, so basically, you have what's called like a SPAC sponsor, and the sponsor is kind of given what's called something like a blank check, so they're given a bunch of cash, and they're responsible to go out and find company or companies to buy, And, and so like that entity, the the SPAC, a special purpose acquisition something company or something like that. Then goes out and tries to acquire another company, and but that but that entity is already public. But the so is it like Steelfront? Like Steelfront in the beginning? It hurts, it's different. It's be, because basically it's like a shell that has a sponsor and a ton of money that has raised a ton of money, and then they go out and they're like, okay, we're going to find a company to take public by
2: doing acquisitions, and you so, know, so the WIG could be a spec. Like we would just form a SPAC and boil the ocean. Somebody just needs to give us like 500 million and then we'll just acquire companies and the SPAC will be public and we will grow as we acquire these companies and talk mad, you know, Matt cloud about them on the podcast. Yeah. Now, <laughs> like,
3: so a lot of the criticism about SPACs is that these SPAC sponsors will take like 15%. There's all these fees, right? Uh-huh. And the SPAC sponsors will get a lot of fees. And then like the benefit of a SPAC is that uh, I think, and I'm not too deep into this, but generally speaking, if you're going public, so one, you can go public faster, right? Like the amount of diligence and scrutiny is a lot less. And I think public, com- public companies going through the traditional uh, process will file what's called an S1. But in an S one, you can't actually provide a lot of forward-looking statements like we think this company is going to make this amount of revenue or stuff like that. But a, with a SPAC, you follow. I think it's called an S four. Now, again, I'm I'm a noob on this stuff, so you should probably hear this from somebody who actually knows this well. But in an S four, you can actually provide more disclosure and more kind of information about companies.
0: and through- well, and that's the problem with the SPAC too is that like it doesn't have the scrutiny that typical IPOs have where you have an underwriter and legal teams, et cetera. Like you can circumvent a lot of like the, uh, the the scrutiny that you would get as a traditionally publicly traded company. So you don't know what you're getting as much. And 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 sorry, like uh, the, again, I'm not very well versed in this, but they're so speculative that people are buying SPACs just because they're SPACs. Like they, the underlying assets are less relevant than the fact that people are buying them because they just keep going up, right? And so it's the asset class that keeps going up so people buy it. Um, And so one SPAC earlier this year got kind of uh, got into legal trouble because of some accounting regularities. And I can't remember the name of it, but it got destroyed, right? But nonetheless, these things keep going. It's just, again, another sign of a very frothy stock market in general, which I, again, don't want to speak to too much, but um, it's not the right, it's a way, but not the best way for a company to go public. Not the most sustainable way, right? It's all going to end up in disaster. It's just a question of when, honestly. Okay, well, like all this stuff is like kind of, it, 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 this these these type of trends mm-hmm. just repeat themselves. So we'll see, we'll see. Well, this was
2: an episode. That was one. Right. Think one for the books. What a start! <laughs> <laughs> no friends made again. <laughs> <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> I'm sure we threw everyone on the bus. At least all of Eastern Europe and Finland is now under the bus. Yes, so that's nobody
2: nice. in dude. Finland is good,
0: and <laughs> that's true. Yeah, your countrymen are going to come after you, dude.
3: Now, maybe. All right. Okay. Well, that's it. That's a wrap for the first twig of 2021. We'll catch you next time, and we'll 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 make it more positive next time. How about that? <laughs>
1: Please. <laughs> need my new year's resolution
2: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of thanks said except to talking Tom I'm sorry but I do (laughs) I do hate what you're doing Alright everybody that's a wrap Catch y'all
3: later bye